Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. After Medina and Mecca became adversaries, while the Prophet was living in Medina and Mecca kept attacking Medina, an Arab came to the Prophet and said to him, Place a curse on the Arabs in Mecca. And the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, responded, I did not come into this world as a curse. I came as a mercy. Now, that understanding is at the core of understanding Haq, understanding reality, understanding the truth, and understanding the true impact and import of religion. It is meant to be a mercy for people in this world. It is not meant to be anything other than that. It is meant to help, aid, and assist. At this time, we are beginning the holy month of Ramadan. And one of the pillars of Islam is fasting. And Ramadan is when the fasting takes place. During this month, it's a half-day fast. Of course, in the, in the, in the summer months, it lasts a little longer uh, than a half-day. But one of the, the points of fasting is that we make a conscious effort to detach ourselves from worldly things. Fasting is not just not eating. Fasting is detaching yourself from everything that's not merciful. So we don't eat, and that's part of the understanding. But as our teacher said, if you can't fast from anger, Allah does not need you to fast from food. So during this time, during this holy month, we should be thinking about what it is that we should be fasting from. What it is that we are attached to that we need to release from our being. How do we become pure and clean? And how do we release ourselves from the temptations of the world and the intoxicants of the world? How do we release ourselves from the magnetisms and the hypnotisms 
of the world that draw us and bring us in to relationships with the world as opposed to a relationship with Allah. This is difficult for people in this modern age to understand that there was a time when Allah came first to people in the world. That Allah was the most important thing for them in the world. At the time of the Prophet, the influence of the Prophet was so powerful and so strong to the people in his vicinity that they almost automatically became more and more devout and more and more inclined towards God. It was the same for us during the time when Baba was here. We would, whenever we could, find a way to be close to him. Because by being close to him, we became closer to reality, closer to God. And we knew that we were doing that, and we consciously sought to do that more and more. When the, 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 the prophet disappeared, things began to change and things became more difficult for people in their relationship with Allah. First, their relationship became stronger due to their memory of the Prophet. And in remembering him, they began to draw closer to Allah. But then the generation that remember him, that remembered him, faded. So, a set of rules was set up to act appropriately towards each other, to act chivalrously towards each other. And through those actions, they were able to draw closer to Allah. But then the rules began to break down, and people lost their need to act appropriately. They lost their need for hospitality. They lost their connection to chivalry and to appropriate conduct. And then what happened was they became ashamed. They knew what they used to be like, but they no longer like that. So out of shame, they were brought closer to Allah. But then shame left, and all that was left was reward and punishment. And people did things out of fear and out of desire. And that became the motivating factor, fear and desire. Rabia said, I do not fear hell and I do not desire heaven. She quite simply put it in perspective that she wasn't motivated by fear 
or desire. She was motivated by something else. She was motivated by her love for Allah and her love for that which is appropriate. Now, to move out of the world of fear and desire, to move outside of the world of praise and blame, to move outside of the world of need, is what Ramadan is about. We have to give up our needs. We have to give up the structure that we've set up, which (coughs) defines us by what we have and what we don't have, by what we need and what we don't need, by our different statuses. In Ramadan, we're all reduced to one status, hungry. And in that, in that, there comes a sameness over everybody that shows the equality. Some people believe that rich people have advantages in the world that poor people don't. Now, of course, they don't see things with God's justice. They see things through the lens of the world. And through the lens of the world, people with money appear to have more or be able to do more or are protected in ways that people without money aren't. But this is an imagination. Allah's treatment towards everyone is equal. And nobody knows the happiness or the sadness inside somebody else. Nobody knows the joy inside somebody else. Nobody knows the closest, the closeness to Allah inside somebody else. And that's why we are forbidden from judging. We are forbidden from assuming things about other people because we can't. No matter how much we think we can, we can't. Only Allah knows the inner workings of his creations. And it is only Allah's job to judge his creation. I was uh, in a... uh, group, a large group of people, and somebody began talking about other people. This is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. And somebody stood up and said, are you going to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell next? And there are people that, if they could, would. And even if be, even though they can't, think they can This is the ego that has grown in such proportion and become so large that it bypasses Allah. We need to learn how to be small again. Hunger puts you in touch with your smallness. Hunger puts you in touch with your weakness. Hunger makes you realize your mortality, and your needs. And the fact that if Allah didn't provide water and didn't provide food, we'd be in a 
pretty stressful situation. And that situation wouldn't last very long because we couldn't exist without these gifts. And when we realize that we've been thrust in the midst of this world and all of the things that have been given to us in order to make our life livable have been given to us by the Creator and have not been done because of the work of our own hands, we become smaller. One of the great Sufis is Rumi. And Rumi is now known all over the world. There's basically one picture of Rumi, and it's in a uh, tapestry. tapestry. And the picture looks like this. He's bowed, and his hands are below him. And it's as if he's trying to become smaller and smaller and smaller. Here is the light of his age, being as humble as he can possibly be, being as small as he can possibly be. Our teacher called himself the Ant-Man, the smallest and most insignificant creature. How small can we become? How insignificant can we become? We're on the path of losing ourselves. We're on the path of disappearing. To die before death is the Sufi way of life, which means that all of the egocentric inclinations that we have, we are trying to make disappear. There's a joke about three imams walking through the mosque, talking with each other, and there's a janitor in front of them, and he bumps into them, and he says, forgive me, forgive me, I am nothing. And then one of the imams says to the other one, look who thinks he's nothing. So, we, are, we understand what it means to be nothing. But do we really understand, or does it become a joke in our life? Have we become so intellectual that all we do is talk about it, but we don't become it? Ramadan is about doing. It's not about talking. You can't talk about fasting and fast. It's a pretty simple equation. Food or no food. You can't talk about not eating and consider that fasting. Now, of course, there are exceptions for people with illnesses and people with old age. But if you're young and you're healthy and you have the ability not to eat without harming yourself, you should try and do it. And what this does is it gives you something difficult to do for the sake of Allah. It gives you a discipline to do for the sake 
of Allah. You're not doing this for anybody else. Although, it'll help you individually if you fast. It'll help your body, it'll help your system. But we're doing it for another reason altogether. We're doing it because it is a command. We're doing it because Allah said to do it. It's like prayer. Uh, there's five times prayer, which is the Salat, and then there's additional prayers. Uh, some are mandatory, some are voluntary. Some people think voluntary is more important than mandatory. Think about that. If a certain methodology is prescribed for you, shouldn't you do that before you do anything else? Shouldn't you do that first and then do whatever additional you want to do? This is a time for reflection. This is a time for looking at our lives. And this is a time when we should be removing ourselves from the world as much as we possibly can. In Muslim countries, most work is shifted to the evening uh, as opposed to the daytime. Uh, of course, also in Muslim countries, a lot of people sleep during the day, and this is how they accomplish fasting. Um, there are lots of ways to do things without truly doing them. We have to figure out how to be the ones who actually get involved in doing things the way they should be done. The understanding that to do things is not the same as talking about them is a great leap in being a spiritual being. Intellects talk about everything. They discuss everything. They will give you variations on everything. They'll write discourses on everything. But all they're doing is reiterating, repeating what they've read and what they've understood. They never get involved in the actual doing. Ramadan is a month of doing. And you have the choice, do or do not. We constantly have the choice of do or do not. We constantly are put in the position where we have to choose what it is that we should be doing. In every interaction we have with other people, we have the choice of being kind or not being kind of being merciful or not being merciful. In this world, we gather things. It seems to be the nature of being. Um, people collect money, they collect gold, they collect real estate, they collect women, they collect men, they collect lots of different things. But there comes a time when all of this is finished and our collections are left behind 
to be sold by our relatives. But there are things that we can take with us. There are things that stay with us after we dissipate. We collect the elemental. That can't go with us. But it's also possible to collect the non-elemental. We can collect mercy by giving out mercy. We can collect compassion by giving out compassion. We can collect love by giving out love. These are things that you gain by giving them away. So we have to learn how to give. We have to learn how to allow Allah to give through us. Allah doesn't have hands. We have hands. We should open our hands and give. I noticed when I sat with Bawa that whatever came into his hands left his hands immediately. Anytime anybody gave him something, he gave it to somebody else. He had no need for things. What is the extent of our need for things? When do we say enough? When do we come to the point where we have reached satisfaction? Or is that not an attainable goal? We have to stop at some point and say, this is enough. And I am now satisfied that I can move forward to my relationship with God. Many people are caught in the conundrum that when I have enough in this world, then I can devote myself to Allah. When I've collected enough in this world, then I can devote myself to Allah. Well, the truth is, those people will never be able to collect enough in this world to make that transition. So, we are spiritual, and we are flesh. We have to satisfy the flesh, and we have to satisfy the spiritual. And we have to find a balance between the two. And in finding that balance, there has to be time for Allah. There has to be time given over to Allah. There has to be time for God. There has to be a cognizant recognition of the fact that our relationship with God is our most important relationship in existence. And without that relationship, we dissipate. We disappear. We have no purpose in existence. God created man so that man could know God. And if man is not in the process of trying to know God, then man is not fulfilling the purpose of his creation. So, if we look to fulfill the purpose of our creation, if we look to fulfill 
the reason for our being, we have to know that we have to move towards God. There's a catch here. A large part of this journey is done on faith. A large part of this journey is done without any cognition or uh, reward for what we're doing. It is understood that only Allah can know the truth of Allah. Only reality can know reality. Only compassion can know compassion. So if we are in the intellectual phase, we'll never know these things because we haven't become these things. So in order to truly know Allah, we have to become active in dispensing Allah's qualities, integrating them inside of ourselves and dispensing them. When you're with a true teacher, you can see that in action. You can see the giving of mercy and compassion and love and tolerance. And in watching that, you can understand how you are supposed to be. You can see the kindness in the touch of a true man. You can see the kindness in the voice of a true man. You can hear it. You can see it in his face when he smiles. You can know it. And then you can integrate it in yourself and then do it also. And it's when you do it that you begin to understand the rewards of compassion and mercy. Allah, in His greatness, and in His generosity, and in His love for mankind, allows man to feel and be His qualities. And what is greater than being mixed in His qualities? So if mercy descends upon us, we become merciful. If compassion descends upon us, we become compassionate. And when that happens, we feel the glory of our true existence. The mind stops interfering and we act through the soul, through the heart, through the spiritual nature. And the flesh no longer becomes the overriding, most important part of our being. We begin to hit an equilibrium between our flesh and our spiritual nature. We have to strive for this. We have to fast from the world to get this. You can't be bloated and spiritual at the same time. You can't be bloated with the world and spiritual at the same time. We have to make a choice.
Do we want the world or do we want Allah? May that choice be easy for us. May that choice be correct for us. May Allah be our touchstone. May He be the reason for our existence. May we want Allah more than an Arab wants cold water after traveling through the desert. We need to make that decision. We have to put that into action. We have to put ourselves forward on that path. May it be made easy for us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.